might do a little dance tonight. Normally, if I was starting out, I would start out like something like this. I would go like, hello. Um, no, I'd go, hello. <laughs> I do, I do. I go, hello, and welcome to the wonderful podcast. I'm Bart Campola, the only person you can always count on to be on this show. Um, and I'm always talking to interesting people and letting people overhear conversations with interesting people. And today, the interesting person I have is my friend Helen Stringer. Hi, Helen. Hi. So, so and Helen... If, if I was going to title you, I would say you were the, are you the leader? Do they call you that? The leader? Of what? What do you mean? <laughs> well, you're, you're part of this community in Kansas City called Oasis Kansas City, right? Or Kansas City Oasis? Kansas City Oasis, Kansas yeah. Kansas City Oasis. And w- what title do they give you? We run like a nonprofit. We are. Um, we are. I'm the executive director. Nice. So I don't assume any... Um, traditional religious titles because we are not a religious organization. No, you are not. No, you are not. (laughs) So you're the executive director of Kansas City Oasis. Uh Uh-huh. And for for people that have never, you know, for people that have not, are not familiar with the Oasis movement or the Oasis, Uh what do you call it? The Oasis network? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, We call that too. Like, my my sense is that, you know, I, I mean, I'm a secular community builder. I'm a person who's trying to build communities for people who don't believe in God. Sure. Is that kind of, do you see yourself in that camp? Oh, of course. Yes. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're building community among those who don't fit in church for whatever the reason. So it's, um, yeah, absolutely. And And how long have you been at it there in Kansas City? Well, um, let's see. I got the idea to start pursuing it in late... 2013, I guess. And so we launched Kansas City Oasis. I put together my launch team at the end of that year. Um, Actually started our first gathering in April of 2014. And we've been at it ever since, every Sunday since then. So about a year and a half, almost just shy of 18 months. (laughs) So not that long. Yeah. Now, now, what's interesting is that I get lots and lots of because I talk a lot about this stuff and mm-hmm. I get lots of emails and phone calls from people in lots of small towns or small cities or just places all over the place saying, I'm thinking I ought to start one of these things. So when you say, yeah, in 2014, I put together a, a launch team, you know, like who, how, like, I mean, did you just, went to the local shopping mall and said, like, I'm looking for a launch team. You didn't see that mall yet, you know? Um, No, um, what I did was I figured someone, you know, had already possibly done this. And so my first inclination was just to do some research and see um, who had already invented this wheel. Um, And that's when I reached out to Mike Alice of Houston Oasis. And originally our conversations were such that it was... Wait, wait, but but I'm going to take... Stop. Like, how did you find Mike Alice? Like... Google. Come on now. You just Google. What did you do? Uh, I think I I will honest... Okay, so although I do not call... I I, um, hate the term atheist church, but that is what I Googled. So... Okay, (laughs) right. We're not an atheist church, but that is what I Googled, and Houston Oasis um, was one of the organizations that popped up. Was that the... I mean, like... I'm assuming you came across Sunday Assembly people. I did, I did, of course, and that was the only one that because they've gotten so much press that I was uh, slightly aware of, but I didn't know much about it at all. So I did inquire with them, though, and never heard anything back until like a couple weeks before I launched Oasis. Ironically, oh, really? enough, but, just, yeah. so, yeah, it's a, it, was, it isn't like you did a deep analysis and, and went another way. They just didn't. well, you know, but it's you know, with my conversations with Mike, we I realized really quickly that. What they were doing in Houston was exactly kind of what I had been dreaming up of. Um, and then the people that I started pulling onto my team, I started kind of casting the vision that I had for such a community and um, had a couple, you know, I had five people who caught the vision as well. Um, and our vision for it was really pretty much exactly what they were doing in Houston. Yeah. So it was really a perfect fit. Did, did anything else come across your radar that you looked at? Like, you know, like when I first got into the stuff, like I went and visited Unitarian Universalist churches, you know, people said, Oh, you ought to check that out. So I did, 
you know, I ended up up in Harvard visiting Greg Epstein and the humanist chaplaincy at Harvard and, Mm -hmm. and the, and the Harvard humanist community. Like, like did any, who else did you? I looked into it, but I I looked into, uh, I think the heart, I think they showed up. Um, I think I reached out to James Croft, but he's been working on, you know, he's, got a lot on his plate so um he was probably busy um so uh, you know like most of the the main one i'm talking to was you mean like the ethical society that this is prior to ethical society because i think his start with the ethical society was after i started oasis so this is when he was still in boston actually i think i don't know i don't i haven't right right right. can't speak for james (laughs) did you ever come across those ethical society people in st louis um, I, St. Louis is four hours from me, so it's not like we cross paths very often or anything like that. And it's only you know Missouri and Kansas that you know the Ethical Society in the Midwest right. there in St. Louis. I think it's one of their largest ones too oh, in is. St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I mean so it sounds like did I mean did, I'm, I'm also curious like because I'm always asked I'm always wondering about this stuff like did you read anything like were there I went to school to be a pastor I mean so like yourself I have some basic knowledge a couple things like and not to say that I know I knew the perfect thing to do but you know my skill sets uh you know from school kind of helped my master's degrees in human services and counseling so I have a general knack for kind somewhat understanding people um and what what would make you know an interesting event um i'm an entrepreneur so i had some ideas on you know how to get things started um and you know to be someone who's able to cast a vision even um and so then you know having further direction from houston oasis was just icing on the cake in reality yeah. um, so that i did research i mean i come out of church so i figure it's not hard to replicate the really great parts because i think the great parts are simply human, you know, so those things that have been resonating for so many years are a lot of the human elements about community building. And so I'm very familiar with that. And so that was kind of second nature. What church did you come out of or grow up in? Many, (laughs) many. Uh, As a child, we went to like Disciples of Christ for a couple years. We went to Presbyterian. The youth group that I was involved in before I started dating my now husband, um, was a Presbyterian. And then when I met my now husband, he came um, out of the Assembly of God denomination, Pentecostal. And that's how I ended up getting pulled in that direction for, you know, about eight years or so. Maybe not even quite that long in Where reality. Where did you meet him? Where did you meet him? Uh, high you... school. We're high school sweethearts. Yeah. It's cheesy. It's not the full cheesy picture because I actually didn't like him. He followed me around during the musical my senior year um, trying to win me over. And that's not what won me over, but he talked me into giving him a ride home and the rest is history. I, he was very personable and it was very much love it for not love at first sight at all, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, his, his assembly of God, Pentecostal fervor, obviously was a big, <laughs> was a big not. turn He's on He's a lot of fun. Yeah. He had a great sense of humor. That's for sure. So, um, yeah. So, so then when you, 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 when you got out of high school, you, by this time you're dating him. Yeah. We started dating my senior year pretty much. And so, and that's when I started going to his church. And the first time I went to his church, I remember because they did the whole speak in tongues thing, which I never, I wasn't even prepared for. And then they did the, you know, someone interprets thing. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I'm bringing back a couple friends next week because this is entertaining. Like, this is some weird stuff, you know. But they were incredibly warm, friendly, wonderful people with the best of intentions. And that won me over, ultimately. And granted, I know I was dating someone who was involved in it. But I ended up switching to his youth group for the most part. And then ended up going to an Assemblies of God school, undergrad, college. Where did you go to school? North Central University yes. in Minneapolis. I, 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 and it's all coming back to me because I okay. used to live in Minneapolis. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Right up the street from, at that time, it was called North Central Bible College. It was. It changed names the year I started, actually. And so. if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that another of the famous alums of North Central Bible College would be G- Jim Baker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had a Skyway named after him, and then after his scandal, they took the name off the Skyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because his son, um, his son Jay, yeah. is yeah. a tight buddy of mine. Oh, and, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For years and That's years and awesome. years. awesome. And, you know, Jay kind of has struggled, like, tried to figure out where he fits into this whole world. Uh-huh. I, I think, you know, I think Jay is a classic guy. Um, I ought to have him on this podcast. I mean, it's so interesting because... I think he's one of those classic guys who just has 
ministry, the idea of like speaking to people and trying to inspire them and trying to help them move through life. It's sure. just kind of in his blood. And I, I don't know. I think he's always wrestling with the theology stuff and he's always kind of on the outer edges of Christendom. And I, you know, and I think that sometimes I just want to say to him like, Hey, you know what? There actually is ministry on the other side of faith. Like, you know, that, and, and, and and I guess maybe that's a question I have for you. Okay. Miss North central Bible college. Um, They're they're ashamed of me now. I'm sure they are. (laughs) Shame and terrified. Um, But when you, but, but like, you in that same world, like you, you're like me, like we were taught ministry. We were mm-hmm. taught the idea that there's these people and ministry means trying to say or do or create opportunities that will move those people in a direction that their lives will be better. Yes. Oh yeah. And so do you still see yourself as a minister? I hate that word, but yeah. um, I know you still yeah. need to dabble with the religious language, but Because I'm not in the, because, because most people ascribe a certain meaning to minister. Um, I see myself as a natural helper. I went into the counseling field. I've always had, I've been volunteering since I was 12 years old. It's just, and my dad and I are a lot alike. We just have always, you know, had, you know, the heart to, not that my mom has it. She was a teacher. Um, but like, you know, to help people, um, I'm, I'm one of those categorical helpers, you know, um, so I, I see it as that. I just don't want the baggage of the word minister because I am not a minister. I, you know, just so like to do help people. No, because when you say that, I go like, oh, I would never want the baggage of the word helper. Like, that, <laughs> that feels so... Pat- I'm a girl, so maybe because, you know, it's supposed to be like the feminine is to be like the helper. I don't know. It's the helping field. You know, that's what it's counseling terminology to some extent. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me is, like, I think about, like, the Ministry of Agriculture, in it, you know, or the Ministry of, the, you know, the, the, the Ministry of Science, or, you know, in, these, in like, a British... Sure, sure. And I think, like, ministry, the word administer, like, to lay on somebody, to provide for somebody, to offer... Sure. You know, I sort of go, like, you know, when I think... I think that there are people that, you know, I, 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 I think of it as... I minister to somebody's needs. Like if they're cut, I would put a bandaid on there. And if somebody's lonely, I would want to minister to that need. Like, it's just a matter of like, I want to administer what's necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's funny. If you're going to say like, that's fine. But I mean, but to you, it has a lot of back. I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's a generational thing too. Not that I'm that much younger than you, but like, I just think, I, I just think it would, it's just too close to, uh, you know, religious, um, leadership terms. So, but I, I agree that what the definition of what you described is yeah. definitely, I think what we do for sure. And, and that's, you know, I mean, it's funny because the language stuff, like when you got started, I'm sure language is one of those things that like you probably spend some time thinking about what language do we use for this? I think it's key. It's a mark. I mean, it, it's just wise when it comes, when you're trying to reach a certain demographic, you have to be wise about the language that you use. It's kind of a no brainer. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. You know, um, we still get criticized for just being on Sunday, you know? So like there's, there's so many people who come out of religion and they abhor everything of it and they want nothing to do with anything that looks like it. Um, so we try to make sure that we're cognizant of that reality. You can't, cater to all of that. And some people just kind of have to get over that. And people do, ironically enough, they come visit once and they're like, Oh, I totally get it. This is not, you know, just cause we meet on Sunday. Cause it's the best day of the week to meet, um, to have multi-generational, you know, um, yeah. large yeah. group of people. So there's nothing to do with Sunday and church doesn't own Sunday football on Sunday, but, um, you know, overall like that language though makes a pretty, I think it helps, you know, in our approach. And I've gotten some feedback from people about that as well, that I think it helped them feel like they might be able to at least check it out. And then that's a whole other thing once they visit. It helps. Yeah, it's so interesting because, like, I, I work at one – in one of my roles, I'm the chaplain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. human chaplain at, at the University of Southern California. Yeah. And there I work in the Office of Religious Life. Mm-hmm. The Dean of Religious Life is my supervisor. And – He's an interesting guy. He's a Hindu guy, sort of a fairly secular Hindu guy. And he says, to me, he's like, religion, religion is the pursuit of life's ultimate questions. 
Mm-hmm. And so he said, like, as far as I'm concerned, whether you answer that question in a theistic way or in a non-theistic way, in a supernatural way or in a non-supernatural way, if you're ask, if you're helping people figure out, helping, by the way, not ministering, but if you're helping them figure out what makes life meaningful or how to live a more meaningful life or how to make the most of their lives. He's like, those seem to, like, that seems to be the, do, to, he, it seems to him to be the domain of religion. But when you hear the word religion, it immediately, it's, it's, you go right supernatural, right? Well, yeah, ideological, exclusive, dogmatic, you know, and I think most of like our, our average demographic that we're looking to reach would probably feel the same way. So, so you're talking about a high academic person, you know, that you're working with. And you're in, you're in L.A. right now. You're in a very different climate than than we are here in the Midwest. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm in Missouri and Kansas. So so you really have to you really feel like, hey, out here, we really need to differentiate ourselves from religion. Religion means dogma. Religion means. It definitely does up here. Yeah. 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 And I think it does around a lot of parts of the country, too. I mean, we have our pockets here and there, but let's get real. I mean, as a country, <laughs> it's very interesting, you know, climate-wise when it comes to religion. So You know, that's the, I mean, that's the other word that is interesting to me as I was looking at your, at your um, website. And one of the things that you say over and over again is, look, we're not trying to create another religious or, or uh, another uh, outlet for spiritual expression. And so the word spirit, spiritual is another word that, like religion, you guys go like, yeah, we're not messing. Like this whole idea that people talk about about secular spirituality. Sure. It doesn't resonate with you. I love that book, actually. Um, you it? know, um, and I, I, wouldn't, I would be fine with bringing in like a speaker on that, you know, um, but it's not something we're going to focus heavily on. I mean, granted, we don't even have speakers very often that talk about religious topics. It's, you know, here and there occasionally, um, cause there are many other things you can talk about once you get out of that, it gets old after a while. Um, so, but when it comes to like, so like we had, I had a, um, a member do a community moment, which I can explain what that is later. Um, she did some breathing exercises. So it was kind of a meditative kind of relaxation exercise. It's similar, yeah. but she, and she actually, I think I would call her, she has some Buddhist elements to her outlook on life. And I think that's wonderful um so but we don't i don't explicitly jump into you know it's trying to differentiate ourselves from also things like um not that we have much in common with unity i think we do in a liberal sense um but also unitarian universalism you know they're what they're doing as well um and we just like i just didn't feel comfortable and especially with the uu it just wasn't a good fit um and i know they differ all over the country but Mine still had a level of woo that I just wasn't—I just wasn't comfortable with. You know, it's not like a big hairy deal. It just—it just, it just no, wasn't. No, it's, it's it's really interesting. Like, and and the reason why, like, you know, some people might think like, why are you wasting time talking about this? But like, for for anyone who's trying to pull together a group of people, mm-hmm. figuring out this language and how you describe it is really important. Because it lets people in and it lets people out. Yeah. I mean, when I visited the Unitarian Universalist thing, the the reason I knew, like, all that inclusivity is lovely, you know, Mm -hmm. um, on one level. But on another level, I thought to myself, I don't know how you bring together a group of people if you don't have a common narrative. You know, that like every religious community I was a part of, had some kind of basic understanding of like, this is where I think we came from. This is where I think we're going. And like, for me as a secular person, I sort of go like, yeah, my narrative is kind of the narrative of science or that, you know, like what, what Ursula Goodenough calls the, the, the epic of evolution. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, this process that we're in that we, we understand in part, we don't understand all the, all the moves, but like, we have an emerging understanding of this thing that's supported by evidence. And when I went to the Unitarian Universalist thing, I thought, like, they'll let anybody in here. And they'll let anybody get up and talk about any narrative. Like, all narratives are equally valid in that setting. Mm-hmm. And while, like, I want that to be true in my town square, when it comes time for me to get together with a group of people to teach my kids why they should be good people, I need to root that in some kind of narrative. 
and 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 they're narr- like that that kind of like anything goes thing. I was like, oh, that that lets me out. I'm only inter- I, I actually want to form a community of people that have a shared narrative. Mm-hmm. And I, I wondered if if you know like so the unity thing, the Unitarian Universal is like I love that, but like I I, I love their spirit of kindness and, and inclusiveness. But it's never surprising to me that those movements don't grow because I don't know how you can motivate people to move forward if you don't have some kind of a common, not just common values, but a common foundation underneath those values. Sure. And do you feel, I mean, like, it would seem to me like when I think about Oasis, from from what I've read and from the, the few people I've talked to that are part of those communities – my sense is that there isn't just a shared value system that as much you know, that, that there is a sort of a common narrative. But then when I read your, then when, then I read a thing that says beliefs are, people are more important than beliefs. I go, do you feel, I mean, do you feel like if I took all the talks at an, at an oasis and listened to them back to back, if you would go like, yeah, there is kind of a common understanding of how the world works. Maybe, you know, the purpose of our talks is to create dialogue and conversation. So it's not dogmatic in the sense of what we're saying is our narrative and how it's supposed to go. It's mm-hmm. that's, we have a different purpose in what we bring to um, the front. But there's not an assumed narrative. Uh, well, our val- so you could say, I don't, I don't know. So maybe our values, our five values, um, you know, and that is kind of one of our filters for, you know, how we live as individuals and as a group. And so maybe to some extent, but, you know, when you're talking about, like, the narrative of science. I mean, they're they're probably. I mean, I would be shocked if we had someone who was like a regular, passionate Oasis person who was like you know a six thousand year Earth creationist or something. Um, that would be pretty surprising. Um, but uh, so most of us, you know, have some grounding. And so, I mean, reality is known through reason. I would say that that you know has a basis, obviously, in science and the scientific method. Um, so in that sense, probably. Um, but we don't, I mean, there's no assertion that, you know, we absolutely don't believe that there's some higher power out there. We're not making some, you know, overt claim, but reality is not the reason, you know, it lets, what's the scientific method say, you know, did something appear to me and everyone else and, you know, verifiable can we, you can't so on that stuff. So, um, in that sense, maybe, you know, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it in that sense. We're, no, no, this is an interesting thing. Like those five values. Like, cause I saw those and, and I actually wrote this down, you know, as I was reading, I was like, where did those come from? Uh, Mike, uh, the founders of Oasis themselves wrote that, um, they've grown, they grew by like to seven when we came on and then we reassessed and become five. We want them to be memorable and easily, you know, repeated, um, so that, uh, because I could easily repeat all seven. Um, and also our, our first one is set up to be, you know, kind of it speaks for a lot of the others that follow. So people are more important than beliefs. Um, and then the others kind of naturally fit within that framework as well. Um, but Mike Alice and his team get full credit for that. They just came up with those. Well, they took, I mean, they spent months planning, you know, what they were going to do. If I understand right, it was like a conversation over coffee with some of his past board members from the church that he left. Um, So, uh, and then they just were dreaming about what this could look like. And they started out small, unlike what we did here, like, you know, 25, 30 people. And then it just grew like wildfire from there. Did you not start out small? No, <laughs> no, um, no, we started out with 120 people on our first Sunday. I know how to market. So not that it's just me. I mean, I had other people on my team, um, but we, you know, we garnered press and um, we, you know, did as best as we could. We, you know, tried to team up with some other existing secular organizations and people were super supportive. Um, so it wasn't, you know, we were, were the existing secular organizations. They were like, this is cool. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City, I guess, I've been told, we have a pretty good climate here when it comes to collaboration among secular organizations. So we're very fortunate in that. So our Kansas City Atheist Coalition was a huge part of launching um, what we did here in Kansas City, for sure. So, Did they think, like, 
this is a needed thing. Like this is, Oh yeah. Yeah. This is something we don't offer. It's interesting. Cause when I sat down just to talk with them, I sat down to talk to their board before I was even on their board or doing anything with them. Um, they, they seemed to catch it immediately. So I was really surprised, but I mean, you know, I think a lot of people can understand the need, but a lot of people don't have enough guts to go for it. So, and then to go for it blind. And so that's why, you know, help the help that I, we with teaming up with Oasis itself is, is huge, I think. And also made a huge difference. I think in our ability to start big and to consistently grow from there and be where we're at today has been huge from what Houston already had test piloted. So you put the word out, if you will. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I networked, I met with people, you know, it's, 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 Okay, now, and, and here's the thing, because it's funny, because I was talking with Mike the other day, uh-huh. um, because, you know, he's invited me to come and speak at the OSS uh-huh. in Houston, you know, which has never happened to me in Kansas City. Um, Not yet. I'll, I'll be there in Houston. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, yes. And so... <laughs> so Houston I, has a bigger budget to work with, <laughs> so um, they, they do. So. So, so we were talking about what I would talk about there, and... It was interesting because I um, one of the things that I was I was talking with him about was the idea of outreach, um, and the idea that when I was in the Christian world, I would try to invite people to come into our fellowship because I thought it would be a good place for them. You know, in, in some sense, I think one of our values that a lot of us share is we want to help other people. We, we want to care for the needs, of, especially broken people or people that are struggling or people that are, in some sense, a little bit feeling outside of the mainstream. The difficulty is, is that that may be a value of mine, but when I actually try to, when I actually try to connect with somebody like that, a lot of times it feels very overwhelming. You know, you, you invite that person into your home and then they want to be there the next day and the next day and you go like, oh, you know, like, I can't take on the needs of the whole world all by myself or, you know, my, just my family and me. Mm-hmm. But when I was a part of a church, it was beautiful because, you know, what I learned in church was that loving broken people was like a team sport, that if you had a large kind of fellowship, you could bring a person like that into a fellowship. And then in a sense, people could share the the, the emotional load of caring for somebody, especially somebody who's in a, in a diff, difficult point in their life. Sometimes people were needier than at other times. Mm-hmm. And so, and Mike was saying, that's such an interesting concept. He said, talk to our people about that because he said, I don't think that they necessarily always see the relationship between this group and that, that in a sense, a group makes it easier to live out your value of compassion. And and I guess what I'm wondering is, is has that happened in your group? Do you feel like that, 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 Beyond the people that you advertise and they go like, oh, I mean, always interested in secular stuff. I love a good lecture, you know, all that stuff. We're not, but we're not that. That's no. boring. We're really not. <laughs> but do you feel like, but I mean, I would imagine. A, That's it, not what we're marketing, by the way. That but, No one would want to come to that. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> the first 125 people. Huh? The first 125 people that showed up. Uh-huh. Wouldn't some of them have come out of that world? Out of what world? Out of I'm the for a good oh sec- well, yeah, of I'm course. I'm looking for another good secular meeting. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure they thought that, but I mean, there's reasons they kept coming back, you know. So um, compared to like other meetups and other groups, you know, that are infrequent and monthly as well, so that all kind of have been puttering out. So, so. do you feel like your group has em- has emerged as a place where if I had a lonely neighbor? I could bring them there. I do. And, 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 and expect that they would be loved. Uh, yes. Now, of course, we're very clear in what we're offering. So, um, you know, we are a great fit for those who don't fit in church or for and whatever the reason that may be, and they want community. So, of course, there's a lot of variance within that. So when what and our approach to how we're communicating what we're, we're offering, I think that kind of helps. But, yes, I have people who I hear constantly. We have little cards. We have things that people can invite people, you know, um, to, you know, come check out, you know, website or what, who the speaker is that we can come finally check it out. Um, but I hear people tell me all the time, they're like, yeah, I talk about Oasis, you know, those who are comfortable enough that it's safe for them to admit some form of secularism, because obviously we, no matter what people still kind of blanket 
you know, us in with some form of secularism, even if some people are not. Um, so there are some people who like on, they can't be photographed or we're very sensitive to people being outed, you know, for the most part, pe most people are comfortable with it, but they talk to their friends, their coworkers about it and bring, you know, people to Oasis or it becomes a topic of conversation. So in that sense, yes. And then needs are met in various ways too. And we have a, a private Facebook forum where, you know, someone needed a job or they just wanted, they wanted to vent because they got, they lost their job, you know, or they needed a mattress. One recently was like, I need a couch, I need a mattress and their needs are met, you know? So, um, it's, it, or they want to hang out because they're having a crappy day or they want to celebrate something great. So, connections and opportunities like that are readily happening. And do you feel like that's, I mean, I don't want to, in terms of marketing, but in, just in terms of like what you have to offer, do you think like we're creating a loving community? Where, yes. Yeah. Like that's part of course like, that's in the DNA. Uh, yeah. And I think like I hear, you know, we, in some of our tags, it's like, you know, a community of compassion and reason, um, you know, um, and I think that that in and of itself, you know, if I hear people saying, you know, a compassionate community, um, things about empathy and things like that. Um, we, some of the most caring and wonderful people I've gotten to meet because of the work of creating, you know, Kansas City Oasis. When I look around um, just at my leadership, but even also, you know, other people, it's just crazy that like, it's like, these really great, wonderful people I get to, you know, be a part and share life with in some way. And so, um, I, I, they just kind of came out of the woodwork with, we put the word out what we were offering, you know, we're pretty clear in what we're offering and, you know, people are enthusiastic to jump on board. So 125 people showed up and some of them must've looked and said, Oh, this isn't what I was looking for. But some of them were like, this is what I was looking for. And, I guess. and, and has it just, I mean, is it is it an organic kind of growth where you feel like, yeah, there's the same people that keep coming, and then we add a few, and we add a few more. Yep. Um, you know, word of mouth is huge. See, just like with church, um, uh, you know, with being invited, and this is true in business stuff. Uh, someone referring you directly to a person is you're going to follow through with that contact or that lead a whole lot more likely than if, if it's an advertisement of some sort, you know? Um, so, you know, people inviting other people, um, we have had quite a bit of press so that has helped at least just get the word out that we exist. And that in and of itself has helped tremendously. Um, and you know, when I usually do try to find out how people are finding us cause it's helpful to know what's working and maybe what isn't. Um, but it, it's from all different forms where people are just like, I didn't know, or I Googled, or I saw that we had a, we had a front page cover story in our main newspaper here in Kansas city. And, um, we were the front page cover story in the Sunday magazine and that did drastically increase our attendance and we kept a lot of it too shockingly so like um yeah the first Sunday after that came out we had like 225 people come on that Sunday so it was what's, wild what's a good because we didn't have enough space we had almost 100 people standing so it's not a good setup that was our second location so, um, but they kept coming back. I was shocked. I'm like, these people are standing through this. I feel bad, but it was what it was. So, and so like, you know, what, what's interesting about this is I, I did this, I, I, I curated a Sunday assembly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I told you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, awesome. and, and by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, you can go on the website and there's like a, 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 a it's not a beautiful video, but there's a video of this service, um, and it was, you know, I totally jacked around with their format and it was probably way churchier than <laughs> anything those people have seen. You know, because like when I talk, like I'm trying to motivate people to live a better, you know, to, to like put their values in action. You know, well, like, yeah. I know yeah. what these, I, I know what, every, you know, everybody agrees on what these values are. So like at some point it's like, well, but are we living them out? And so, um, and so, anyway, so I do this whole thing, but it was a lot of work um, to line up the music and to get the person who was doing their, like, testimony thing, like they called assembler doing their best. I'm like, you know, if, if it's my service, I'm not going to just have that person get up and tell a story without hearing the story first and trying to, you know, it, you know shape it a little bit so that it fits the rest of the service. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then there was the talk and there were, you know, all these kind of like bells and whistles of how people interacted before and afterwards. And it was a lot of work. And I thought to myself, like these guys at Sunday assembly, you know, they're doing it once a month. 
But if you're doing it once a week, like that sounds like a lot of work. That part I felt like has been a lot of work in that respect. I mean, there are elements to it. So some of it's second nature now that I've been doing it a while. Um, but uh, in that, I have teams of people helping from setup to who's a choir. I, I schedule our speakers and our community moments, but if I have a music um, coordinator who is garnering all of the talent for each Sunday because we bring in different musicians or musical groups every Sunday. So, so he handles it. all of that. There's no consistency. Like like if I come one week, there's no like I know I'll hear that choir again or not necessarily. We have we'll have re- like in two Sundays we're having back another. Um, he's a hip hop and rap singer. He's freaking awesome. Um, so he'll be back. Um, he was here six weeks ago or so, but everyone loved him. So like you might see that when we What's have his favorites. Name? Just so we can Google him. What's his name? Yeah. Kemet Coleman. Uh, he also is with the Fantastics, is one of his bands. Okay. Um, I think that I put, I think I put a video on our, our uh, Kansas City Oasis Facebook page that I just took with my phone, so it's not very well done. Um, but, and we have YouTube channels with um, other musicians, but we had, had famous, you know, not famous, but like Midwest, really well recognized um, uh, guitar player. Um, uh, Portuguese guitar player. I don't know how to say it, but I mean, we've, so we've had a jazz, we're going to have a really big jazz band, um, in, in a couple weeks as well, or a graph. Um, and so it's really kind of fun because it varies a lot. So like, you know, in Ted talk and quality, it's, we do short 20, 25 minute talks. We do have open Q and a. So, um, at this point we do. Um, so it, people get an opportunity to have some, you know, time to dialogue with what they just heard. So, but, but, so, but work life, it's not. It's not that bad. So I, I think because I, I heard, I heard a lot of people kind of saying that Sunday assembly. There was, you know, when, when they said realized we were weekly. They're like, "How do you do it?" Um, I, we're, we're teams. I have multiple people, you know, and that's what that's what community is. I have multiple people who have, you know, are, are catch have the vision for what we're doing. Um, they found, you know, got plugged in and something they enjoy doing. You know, I have, you know, a social events coordinator and a team on that. I have a volunteer events coordinator and a team on that for what goes on outside of Sunday. Um, you know, I have a setup team. I have someone who helps head up all of closing down cause we set up our, we use an event space. So we're not like, we don't have an existing building yet. Um, and kids program. I have two coordinators for that cause that's a lot of work. Um, and then they have a whole team like of Thirty people or more to try and manage that. So um, it's all team based. So I am not the one. It's not Helen putting on a show at all. I have it's it's a community effort, and I think that in and of itself builds community. Yeah. Does that make sense? People are investing their time and resources because they believe in what we're doing and they love it that much. Yeah. So I mean, that's I mean, and so with all those people coordinating with each other and, and stuff like that. Is there anybody that, I mean, are you on this thing full time? Yeah, I would say I spend, I do, I, but see, it's different. I've, uh, become more full time because of network stuff as well with helping to counsel and, and grow other communities. Right. So what is it? sorry, my son just walked in. No, so you hear a little say, voice. Let's say, say hi. <laughs> you want to come say hi real quick? Yeah. Really quick though. And then you gotta, you gotta let me. This is my son, Nashville. Nashville, how you doing? Hey, hi, Bart. This is my friend, Bart. Hi. Nashville, how old are you? Four. Four. So, you know, your, your mom was talking to me about, about the Oasis stuff that she does, and she was just saying that they have kids' programs. Do you go to those kids' programs? Yeah. Like, are there a lot of kids there? Yeah. And, and do you like it? Yeah. Why? Because I got a kill. Because of Mikael's brother, Mikael. Mikael goes. Why do you like Oasis? Because Mikael's sometimes there. You know that, is, that is a perfect answer. Because, you know, your mom and I were talking about how relationships are why people get involved in this stuff. And it sounds like you like Oasis because Mikael's there. <laughs> and that's that's perfect. That's That's why people go to religious communities, brother. You're on it. You're a sociological genius. All right, you ready to go back downstairs? Yeah, he's talking. Okay, he's talking. He likes attention. <laughs> <laughs> so I was say, he might have our time you, you know what, Nashville, what you're going to find out is that I'm always talking. That's, <laughs> that, that's the problem with me. I talk all the time. Did you go to Oasis? No, he hasn't been to Oasis yet. Do you yeah. know where I live? I live all the way out in Los Angeles, California. 
That's a long way. I know, I know. It's crazy long, crazy far away. But I'm trying to, you know, here in Los Angeles, I'm trying to get a community of people together the way your mom has gotten that group of community together. So I just love to talk to people that like to be together. And sounds like you would be a perfect guy. I gotta get. I gotta get a guy. I gotta get a guy like you. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you know that. What are you eating? Chew that up. All right, man. Oh, it's, it's you said. National, yeah. I, I gotta finish up with your mom now. Okay. Okay. Can you go downstairs and play for a little bit longer? Yeah. Thanks. You Chief. Thanks. Sorry. What a great guy. <laughs> I, I figured he was gonna do that. Let me shut the door. It'll help. But sorry. <clears throat> sorry. So, so you were saying that, like, for you, this has grown into, like, you do this practically full-time. Yeah, I don't think every organizer for what they're doing. I, I, um, I, I'm very passionate about it. You know, I'm fine for me to this. And it, I do envision that it being, you know, my full-time work eventually. Um, so I, I spend time on it like that. It's kind of hard for me to not to do so. It's just my personality. So, but like we have other Oasis communities, you know, in the works and those, um, lead organizers, you know, are not spending as much time as I am. It's so not every, I think each community will look different in their approach. And some may want to be very much kind of like what we're doing when it comes to, you know, my style of leadership, but Mike works full yeah. time on it too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. Now, yep. now do you guys have money? What do you, yeah, yeah, we, of course, we're not, yeah, I mean. I mean, these, these 200 or so people that show up, like, they, they support this thing financially? Yep, yep, so, so, I mean, so far, it's gone really well, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, we do pass, we pass a box, like, with the holes in it, I think they pass some form of, like, a hat or a bag kind of thing in Houston, so we're not afraid to ask for resources because it takes money to run this stuff. Um, so we have people who give on a regular basis, uh, you know, signed up for like a monthly contribution of some sort, um, and then we, you know, pass the boxes every week, and um, and also, you know, we'll probably do some other types of fundraisers in the future, but so far, um, it hasn't, it's been very, very positive, especially secular-wise, because I know they have a lot of issues in raising money, or in my opinion, compared to, like, church world, right. um, you know, and we're not asking for 10% or something, you know, if we could ask for 1%, it would work, we would, I would have a full-time job, but we're not going to take that approach, so, because um, I don't think it would work out very well, um, but, uh, yeah, we have, we have the resources that it hasn't been a struggle. Um, so uh, people can, I mean, this is why when we have you down to Houston Oasis, well, you, cause you need to experience it because we are different um, in style when it comes, we're just different than Sunday assembly. Um, but we're weekly. And so people are able to connect with that frequency and they, you know, they understand and are excited for what we're doing. You know, I don't know how else to describe it other than, yeah, you know, just, you have to visit, you yeah, know, and you'll, you'll better understand. Well, yeah, and again, like people like you and I that grew up in church, like there's some things I understand, you know, like, and one, yeah. one of the things I, you know, I was talking to Greta Vosper the other day um, mm -hmm. up in Canada yeah. and she was saying like, you know, sociologically speaking, all the benefits that people describe, all the social benefits of being part of a congregation only work if it's a weekly congregation. Yes. She's like. She's, you know, like in terms of like people say, well, people that are part of congregations give more charity, you know, volunteer more time and energy in charity. They give more blood. They, they, they live longer. You know, they're, you know, there are all these benefits to being part of a religious community, mm -hmm. but it only works if you meet every week. Yep. I agree. Um, but my, I guess my question is, is like, is there anything that right now, a year and a half into this thing that's emerging for you as the question or you know, are you like, nah, man, you just, this is like, you just keep pounding away at it and it, and it, and it continues to grow. Or is there something that's emerged and you go like, yeah, this is the thing we got to figure out. Like when we get to a certain size or, you know, um, or, or, or does it, is, is it, does it feel so natural that you're like, this isn't that complicated. It's second nature to some extent. It's a, and it's just like any other organization. I think it's a matter of finding and, um, nurturing good leaders, um, good leadership, um, people, you know, people are really important. Um, so, um, it's that it's a matter of making sure that we have the funding to, to meet the goals. So doing, you know, some level of strategic planning is like, 
that's running a nonprofit and for me in that sense. So, um, when it could like second nature to the, the weekly stuff, sure. Um, but, uh, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but like, you know, we have, I, you know, I, we have financial goals. We would like to have a building soon. Um, we would like, we do need to have staff. You need to have staff before you start with a building. Cause that requires like a lot of work. So, um, so, you know, trying to get to there, we're, we're a year and a half young and we grew very quickly. And so making sure that that doesn't hurt us either, that we grew so fast. Um, cause you know, that I think, in business world, that can be really bad for you as well if you don't learn how to handle that kind of growth. Um, and there's probably our different mentalities to different size communities as you go. So just being smart about all of that, you know. Well, I so. mean, I guess that's what I wondered. It sounds like you started out at a certain size and you're, you're bigger than that now, but you're not yeah. orders of magnitude bigger. We're not a mega church or anything like a mega, anything like that. I think it could happen. It's hard to know like where it will, you know, where this will land or where it will kind of, you know, cap off at. Uh, Making sure that we had an event space that could accommodate three to five hundred people was really important because I do think that the potential is one hundred percent there. I think this fall we will probably going to average between two and two hundred and fifty people on a regular basis. Um, Our biggest crisis, actually, our our biggest crisis right now is our kids program because a room that we have with this event space is just a little bit too small to accommodate the number of kids that are going to come along with a group that size. So it's kind of identifying those things like, well, what if we, if we get to that size, we need to make sure that we can meet the needs. And our children's program is so important. Um, that family element, you know, that we're offering there, I think is one of the key things that, you know, makes this so, work so well is because families no offense to the secular movement, but like there was nothing for us as a family, you know, um, it was 30 and under bar night, you know, or activism, you know, or no offense, old white men hanging out, you know, talking about, you know, boring science stuff. So the in-between factor, you know, those of us, you know, this pulls in everyone because we do offer the interesting talks and stuff. The 30 and under, you know, are getting what they kind of want as well. We do all kinds of fun social events and volunteer as well throughout the week. Um, But then, you know, families, we finally have a place that we can plug in and land and our kids hopefully can connect with other kids that come from similar-ish families to some degree and maybe talk about values and ethics, talk about world religions. I want my kids to know all kinds of stuff about religions. I think religious education is paramount. Um, you know, so that element, our kids program is super important to us and we want to make sure it's really good. And fortunately we have amazing leaders, you know, who have jumped on board to, who have just like made our children's program something really amazing. And I think that's why we have, we have like, we have a lot coming. So it's making sure that we do it well. So, um, what's the the geography? Like, like Kansas, I mean, like I, what's what? The geography, like I hate Los Angeles. It's very hard to get people together in Los Angeles mm-hmm. because of traffic and density and money, and it's just, it's a, not a good city for that. Um, great city for weather, um, but Kansas City, I feel like, is a city. It's a, more on the magnitude of like a smaller midwestern city, like a you know Cincinnati, Clevelandish kind of size. Is it? Are your people geographically? Are they? Are they from all over Kansas City? Oh, we have some people who drive an hour every week to come to Oasis. So we have located ourselves very central. In Kansas City, we do have a good highway system in that sense that you can kind of pinpoint it and then all the highways build around pretty well. Um, And on Sundays, traffic is really pretty much non-existent. Um, So... uh, yeah, we have people coming from all from east, west, south, far north. I'm always shocked when, like, we have um, someone who drives in from a city of, of uh, Lawrence, and it takes 45 minutes or so. And he even came, we had a midweek dinner. We had, like, a just a midweek dinner to all get together and chat. We had, like, 25 people show up, and he drove in from Lawrence yeah. to coming out. I was like, wow. I'm like, yeah, you know, I drove 20, 20. I live in a suburb, you know. So, I mean, I drive a little bit, but I run this thing. So, like, right. I, but, you know, it's, I'm always shocked and amazed by, you know, people are really looking for ways to connect with people, you know, similar to themselves, but not so not in such a narrow box, you know. So when all these people write me letters and say, gosh, we're, do we need, I, you know, there's nothing for us. We want to start something. We don't know what to do. Like, am I supposed to send them to you now? Like, no. I mean, are, are, is that what you guys are doing now? Like you and Mike, are you trying to pump out? You, not pump out, but are you trying to yes, serve we people? Do that. Are you trying um, to, if people come to you and say, like, I want to get something started, are, are, is that part of your business now? 
Uh, so, so my, not business, but so I do, so I, I am the president of the Oasis Network, so I'm serving as such, and Mike um, as well. So between the two of us, though, we are both coaching um, and mentoring future communities, helping to vet them and, and all of that, and have a process and a starter kit and everything kind of set up to try and help them along more than what I, I didn't really have much actually. Um, so I had their model and, you know, some, some insight from Mike, but we've tried to put together, you know, what we've both done and try to make it, you know, as something that can help this, you know, start in other cities. Um, because and I'll admit, you know, a weekly thing, like you said, it is more than a monthly meetup, but it, you get like into a routine and it becomes a, it's a part of our lives. So it's a, you have a different outlook on it because I mean, these, this is my community. It's not just, a you know, a monthly meetup or someone that I see infrequently. I see these people on a regular basis. So it's just very different, um, perspective on, you know, the amount of work or, you know, what it all entails. Yeah. It's not always, yeah. I mean, these are your friends. Yeah, seriously. They, they are. So I think that piece in and of itself, you know, makes it easy, but yes, people can come to us. Um, well, a lot of people, you know, we talk to and they realize it's not a good fit. Um, but we, we basically, you know, we need people who can put together teams of people cause we are a grassroots team based organization. Um, and that's really, I think the key to what we're doing is, you know, finding people who can kind of, get that going and start that. And that's kind of, we do leave people, you know, we can make some advice here and there, but they have to be people who can find others, you know, who want to jump on board and, um, you know, carry where, that, that way. Where wave. do you think the next few of these things were, are going to emerge? Where, where do you see them? Where, where are they? Where's their coast to coast? I mean, Boston is our certain one is our first, like he, they, I think they may be launching mid October. Actually, they finally have a launch date. They need, they needed to find a, a meeting space. Talk about transportation issues. Boston's hairy. So like he's had a really more interesting dynamic than we have here. Cause they have transit and a lot of people who don't have cars at all. So it was interesting cause I don't have, most people have, everyone has a vehicle here and we have a bus system, but it's horrible. Our, yeah, transportation is sad, um, in the city. So, um, but, uh, I have some others that we're, we're, we're trying to be, you know, we want to make sure that when we announce an Oasis community, that it's a very more sure uh, thing. So we have two other very strong people who are putting together, they almost have their teams formed and then we'll start talking once uh, they have their teams formed. Um, so literally, but it's East and West coast as well. Um, and another one that is central. So there are three other strong ones that are putting together their teams and kind of following our, our format of what they need to do for us to give them our logo, you know, all that yeah. fun business stuff. So, you know, we're just being careful with that now. So, you know, that's so terrific. And, and, and I think that it's funny because I was, I was, when you, when you're a former evangelical Christian, you know, you come out of that stuff late in the game as I did, you wander into this secular world and you look around, you're like, there must be somebody doing something like community building. And, and so, you know, but what I found when I started doing my research was that I would get to these organ, these big secular organizations and they all had these kind of ugly histories of divisiveness and splitting and, 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 and stuff like that because everybody was trying to build these national movements. And so everybody else was just the competition. But what's interesting is, is that I, is that when somebody like you is doing something there in Kansas city and then somebody like Mike is doing something in Houston and those friends in Boston and then these Sunday assembly people, wherever they are, is that, is that there's no competition really like, like it's a local thing. Like all I can say about what's happening in Kansas city is gosh, I'm, I'm so grateful for those Kansas city people that must be so wonderful for them. And, and you sort of go like, Oh, you know, and if somebody said, Hey, we're going to start one, on the other side of town, you know, I think probably the attitude would be like, great, there's more people out there that need these things than we could ever manage in our place. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you start to see that this is a form, you know, local, it's like a family. Like when, when I see somebody else getting married, I don't go like, oh, (laughs) you know, it's not good. My wife and I, we thought we had, you know, we thought we were the married people in Los Angeles and now other people are trying to horn in on our action. You're like, look, it's a lot of work to take care of our family. If somebody else starts a family and they take care of some people, that's great. Like, oh, everybody, the more the merrier. And so it's just so thrilling to me to see these local communities start to emerge because I think that 
all of a sudden you're going to see people cross-pollinating and somebody will move from Kansas City to Boston and they'll they'll bring with them some of the DNA of your community and they'll mm-hmm. start a new community or they'll join the community there and change it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're going to, you know, I think this is really the future of, and this is where, you know, you'll hate my language, but I think it's kind of the future of human spirituality. Like people recognize that there's a connection, a relational connection between people. There's this sort of ineffable bond that we have. Yeah. And, you know, religious communities, like people have always banded together tribally to sort of celebrate life and help each other get through life and teach their kids their values and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, as we move beyond supernatural narratives and things like that as a, as a sort of a species, people need to figure out like, well, what's the, what's it look like? How do we get together now? How do we, how do we support each other and grow and, and, and try to become as try to make the most of our lives together. And I think you're at the cutting edge of like the future of human spirituality. And so it's just very thrilling to me to hear you, hear you tell the story. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. And like you said, I think, um, I think some of those elements, uh, we talk about like when you say, you know, these groups splitting or they feel like they're in competition, you know, I think some of that, there's some human factor to that. Um, and that's because I don't feel like, I think that could happen in any type of people group. So um, I, I think that that has to be well understood by a lot of people because you never know what will happen. But um, in, in our approach and in my theory, the more communities that crop up that give secular people a home, the better off we'll be as a future secular society. And not that I'm trying to make our whole society secular. Um, but obviously I see some benefits to those of us understanding that reality is known through reason is, I would say it's pretty important to me. I'd rather have people making decisions, you know, based on that, that, that reality. Um, and so I think as we develop more communities, um, whether they're an oasis or a Sunday assembly or something else, we're empowering secular people to have that foundational connection that we all need. And from there, people can organize themselves to go out and do other really amazing things. I mean, let's get real. A lot of amazing other movements or activism or needs are met because people are in connection with other people and friendships. So it's really pivotal that we have these landing places where people can meet other people who might share the same passion for something else and go do something really incredible for the world, you know? So just because it's not an oasis or it's something else, I think it's wonderful. And we need to be much more readily collaborative with one another and knowing that we offer different things. Some people may come to an oasis and still think we're too churchy. I don't know how you can make it much less churchy, you know, however you come out of that, but or they may want a different experience, and so hopefully they can find somewhere where they can fit in. We've had some people who want to be anti-theist, and I don't know how well you can build a community around that because it's negative, but you know, those people have found that they sometimes don't fit really well with what we're doing because we're not. You know, People are more important than beliefs, so we stress that. So maybe they, there's going to be something where they can land because I want to see them have this connection and this ability to have a kind of community like we do we're probably not best fit for them possibly, you know, um, that's for them to decide, but do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, it's like, it's like I think and- we still have to just like, it's, it's, it's got to start happening as a society. And I, th- I think we have the potential to do it. Yeah. It's, it's like bands, you know, like, like the idea is like, you don't start a band and go like, I want our band to ultimately include everyone in the United States in our band. You go like, Hey, we got this band and this <laughs> kind of music we play. And some, and if somebody's really inspired by it, they might start their own band. And they'll play different kind of music, mm-hmm. but like, that's cool. Like, yep. you know, and so, yeah, well, listen, I can't wait to come to Kansas City and visit your band. Um, <laughs> but We'll definitely, we'll have you out. I just, sure. you know, contrary to Mike, I have the next four months of speakers like booked. So, uh, I, I, it's, it's so like when it comes like the scheduling, it all falls in place. I don't, and I'm not recruiting anymore at all. Like most of it, you know, either people I'm meeting, I, it doesn't take a lot of effort other than I vet people now. I want them to be high quality. So you fit that. No worries. But like, you know, I, I want to make sure that people are having a good experience. So I don't just let any professor of something, you know, who's right. be boring. We, we've, been, we've been there. We've been there. So, yeah, it happens. I mean, I've been there too. Well, listen, so, yeah. this is, this is great. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. I will see you in Houston. Awesome. In a while. And, and in the meantime, you know, um, 
and, and it's funny. It sounds funny. Like you know, in the old days, I would have said blessings on you. Um, <laughs> and and in a, in a sense, like I don't think they come from supernatural woo woo land anymore. But I know that you've blessed, you've improved the lives of a lot of people there in Kansas City by organizing this thing. And I can tell that it has been a blessing in your life to be to be involved with all these people. And that language may sound a little bit freaky to some people. But the fact of the matter is, is that the way we create meaning is by caring about each other. Yeah. And uh, and I, I just I'm just so grateful for, for for you guys caring about each other the way you are there. Thanks. All right. I'll see you later. All right. Take care. Thanks, Thanks Bart. Bye. The lights might do a little dance tonight. One time for the night time. One time for my town.